you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so the last comment before we, I'm sure we'll have some other points of Hazara on the gelatin before we move on to the perfectionist glaze, the shellac, is the fact that I think I mentioned that the kosher production today of gelatin consists of either animal gelatin or fish gelatin. Possible nafkamina, if you hold the animal gelatin as part of maybe the fish gelatin, which still the label is fish, if it's not bottle, I'll just say both of them are part of. It's interesting, even the ones that are machmir, which is more nagea today, because the eventual mechaimezer might not have been makal on the porcine skin, which they're using today predominantly in the non-kosher production. So everybody's maskim in America, and even in Israel by now, you need a kosher production. How makbed are they on glot? This is a very important shayla because they're getting the bones and they don't get the, they get the bones and the hides. The hides are often from a leather factory byproducts of, that's what the guy get it from. So you can't walk into a leather factory and get them because we have to know it's done under kosher auspices. How makbed are they in the animals? So the various shmoos that I've heard is that they're not as makbid in terms of glot and super glot and the various levels of glot. They'll take something as nominally kosher because the bones and the hides are machoikis, as we saw over the past week anyway. And the mela, they don't see machmir on all the shitas of glot, which is an interesting kula within the, within the humrah. And by fish, if you recall, I'm sure we covered the topic a few years back about Machlekes between the OU and Ramesha was Machmer here, actually, and the Haimeshashkoch was a Machmer on, on tuna fish and any fish company, cannery, even if they're doing mass production, they still require Hashkocha on every single fish. You'll ask, what if the guy sneezes or falls asleep or looks the other way? Kasha, because the line is moving pretty quickly, but he's standing there all day and there's thousands of fish going by the line. Ramesha holds the Zuchiv to look at every fish to make sure that's the min we're certifying. I suppose the OU on Bumblebee, what they give on Starkist, uh, they're giving on the fact that similar to a Chol Vesol type thing, it's different because here's the Dindaraisa, Chol Vesol is a but there's a Mirsus that the government only wants to tune in there and nothing else, and Bumblebee only wants to tune in there and nothing else, and they're very nervous for the negative PR having anything else. And therefore, we do spot checks. I think I mentioned every Pesach. If you want to get the Hidder in Bumblebee by the Pesach, the OUP, because then they have a Shkach of Midas, because it's Pesach. Even though that's probably a Chumrah, because there's no Chumrah in these plants, and the original Shaila is more Chumrah, but it's ironic. So, but Pesach, they're doing a Shkach of Midas. So then you can stock up and you'll have Bishul Yisrael because once he's there, he turns on the fire and they'll rely on the ten sniff from the local of why you don't need Bishul Yisrael. Uh, the steaming and the, uh, all the other, we once had a share on that, on what the ten sniff from the local are. Ten sniff from the local are pretty good. Ten sniff from the local. That means if this is no good, that's no good, that's no good. Something's good, we hope. The Haimashashkach do a run for two days, have enough for six months, and they have no sniff from the local. They have Bishul Yisrael, his mashkiach is there, and he watches every fish. So they're not machbed on that either for fish gelatin, even though the rest of the year they are. So it's two very interesting facts because, as you all know now, from three weeks into the sugya, it's a big machlekes anyway. Maybe the whole thing is not necessary. So it's sort of like a sex fake, so not some machmer. Yeah? It's a tangential question. The mashkir can look through a camera. 
Let's start with that. Uh, yes. On fish. On fish, fish is more common than Chalav Yisrael. It says, really a shayad Chalav Yisrael also. And the answer is a definite maybe. Is that a clear answer enough? Uh, the fish is in the Raisa. So if there was what to discuss, it would probably be better on the Chalav Yisrael, which we look at as a Chumrah, as opposed to the fish, which if you hold as a Chiv Daraisa, it's really a Chiv Daraisa, not just a Chumrah to keep them online. It has to be a person. We can't train an AI computer. Oh, I, I knew you were coming from somewhere. <laughs> you, you, know, you don't want a person looking into the camera. Well, you want... not that I don't want to, but nowadays... We're worried about the Mirsis. The Mirsis over here is the key. What are they... In other words, the you on their tuna are relying on Mirsis, but they hold this Mirsis. You don't need somebody there all the time. Mirsis, he could pop in. And Mirsis, that is negative PR and the government inspection, b'chul, b'chul. The dindaraisa, for those who argue on that, is that you need somebody watching it, identifying each fish. So if you're identifying the next room watching on the camera, the chayra is still identifying it, but that's assuming that the camera catches every angle and he doesn't look away. But when he's staying there, he can also look away and sneeze. So that's why it might be as good. Uh, the main thing by the um, dindarabon and certainly by the chavisol and also the concept of the daraisa is that they shouldn't try to sneak something in. So if they know he's looking at the camera, they, but they have to really know he's looking. I, I don't imagine human emotion. If there's a guy standing there, they're still more nervous as opposed to that bubble on the thing, and they say, yeah, remind everybody there's somebody looking. If that were true, why would... What? The camera's being recorded. It's literally one. It's a real-time analysis, and if it's something, it's going to stop the production. Or the Mashiach could be standing there. can also stop. You're talking about the artificial intelligence. Yes. You mean the iPhone tells you, we'll, we'll say, hey, that looks it, like a dolphin? Yes. Can you... Yeah, you can train it. Yeah. Okay, you mean he'll be quicker than the mashkia. Yeah, mashkia might should, think about it. Computers don't make mistakes. This. Well, everybody right. makes mistakes. Yeah. Mashkia can make a mistake. Right, right. But on, on the tzad that it's well-trained... So I think for the Chalvi it's better than for the... Uh, for the Dindaraitza, the Dindaraitza might be a human. It's the same shayla as Apishayim Edim Yochum Dover. So if you have somebody looking through a camera... Is that Apishayim Edim Yochum Dover? That's um, hotly debated. That truth is written on this already, and many say yes because it's real time. Others say you could doctor things up and you could you could fool the guy. You can cover it, and he can think he's looking at something else. But Unlikely, a but when you have to look at the fish, is that a din? That's from? not the whole din is shrouded mystery. Where's din come? It's so shrouded in mystery. The OU denies it exists. Uh, they say there is no din, it's the din and mirsus, the regular kashras, and whatever inspection level you need. But Ramesha and many others held no, and there's a. They are trying to debate where is the remnants in the Pusik that you have to identify. It sounds like there's, besides the list, there's an assay to di- identify the fish, and the Mercurius for it, but the Mercurius all disputed. So if, if the Mercurius disputed whether the din exists, it's only going to be disputed what together the din is. But it sounds like uh, the Mitzvah Dereis is identifying however you identify it, which would allow this. But it's, you know, I, I'll mention this now because we spoke about it about a year ago, Shabbos afternoon, for about 18 weeks. Um, but it's important because they just came out, I think, uh, three, four weeks ago. They sort of admitted now, and it's getting written up in all the scientific journals uh, that deal with genetics. They're admitting something they sort of knew and were afraid of for a long time now. But they always end up admitting it a long time after they really knew there was something rotten in Denmark. But if you remember during the shear, we were discussing DNA, and the, the first glance and the first knee-jerk reaction everybody has is, why isn't DNA as good as ADIS? And why can't you create mamzeis? If you remember, Abel Yashiv had his tshuva where he, based on a rashash, 
got a kasha on the Gemara with the Rabbanah, where they were trying to identify who the real son is out of the ten sons. He says, go hit the kever, hit your father's kever. Basically, it was a harshara, circumstantial evidence. And the Rashash over there asked, why don't you just do the famous uh, trick, the medical, wasn't a trick, the medical uh, device from the Gainim that you can take the bone and soak it in blood and if you have a suffix based on a real Misa that was referred to by the governor of that town somewhere in the Middle East to, uh, to Rabbein Sajigan, I believe, and he, he said uh, there was a contention between a guy who was an imposter, an alleged imposter, and the son, and the son was a baby when his father died, the father went on a business trip, and he was with his Ebed, his trusted Ebed, it wasn't so trusted, and when he came back, he masqueraded as the son and took over the entire fortune. And then the kid was an infant, and then he grew up, and he found out he had a father, and there's a fortune, where did it go? And he realized that this guy was sitting in the palace, masquerading his thing, and he took him to court, and then they referred it to the rabbi, and when you don't know what to do, rule number one is refer to the rabbi, and uh, hopefully uh, he will be, um, have some Maserah from Sinai, how to figure out DNA, which is what happened over here. It sounds like DNA, so you take the thing, you dip it in the blood, and whichever one soaked it up, is the real son, and they dug up the bones from the dead father, been dead for decades, Chiddush, but for the cover of the father, and they did it, and it works. The Shash says, that's a great trick. Why did they use it over here? Instead of taking a stick and banging on the kever and doing what's called a shud dedaini, which is conjecture, or it's, uh, better than nothing, but it's a hashara, why don't you use the trick? So the, the Rashash says they couldn't because you have 10 sons and they do this. It absolutely works, and it's going to work so well that when you identify which one's the real son, automatically the other nine will be mamzerim. And without Aegis, we don't look for tricks, medical tricks, to create mamzerim. That's a chiddush. We would say, isn't that burying your head in the sand? So the Rashash didn't think so, and, the, and Rabbi Yoshev agrees. He said, we're not... He wasn't even getting to the issue of how reliable or unreliable it might be. Even in Islam it is. Apishayin Edim Yochem Dover means l'kul l'chumra. If you have Aegis, good. If you don't, you don't have to look for other eyes. So what happened to the report? So a few weeks ago, they started being Mephar saying that they started to notice something over the years, recent years, that they thought never is even shy to exist. Not once, and they saw it once, twice, three times, ten times, twenty times. And that is that the same one person would have different DNA in different parts of his body. Wow, that's a, yeah. that's pretty scary. Different DNA, different parts. Different parts. They can take a swab over here, take a blood test over here, take a, and they're getting different DNA of different people, which was assumed to be impossible. Or certainly highly, highly, once in a trillion. What? Just an assumption somehow? The assumption was every time we have a science, they, whenever they discover something new, this is it, and everybody else who doesn't believe it is a total idiot, shaita, doesn't know anything until, of course, they disprove it 20 years later. Uh, so the, the reason we have Sukkot is because we have a Messiah from Bakash Baruch from Sinai, and we don't just change Dinan based on DNA. So all the screaming and the yelling of the Shear, if you were here the, the Shabbos afternoons, was how can we not rely on DNA? It's one million percent, except when it's not. And it's not one million percent, not even close. And so Aedis isn't one million percent either in statistics, but it doesn't make a difference. Exactly because you follow Aedis. So even without this, not wanting to create Mamzerus, you might not want to jump on the bandwagon of convicting people. They now have to go back to all the forensics and all the uh, FBI, CIA, and police department things and find out if they electrocuted the wrong guy. Because I'm not saying O.J. was therefore a nice guy. What I'm saying is, is that it's not so, not so pushy. They found, and, and the reason is, he had a blood transfusion or he had a bone marrow transplant, 
and they, they didn't think, they knew the possibility existed, but they figured it would stay in the bone marrow or in the blood. They found it in different parts of the body. It migrated. And, they, and he said, a guy can be donating marrow from Italy to, to New York, and then and they're worried now that with all the uh, a fertility, you have to, you're going to have, it's not going to be so easy to figure out who their father or grandfather is. What? Again? But, but it's probably soon now because it's now in the news. Yeah. And somehow he was. And he's been paying dearly for it since then. And yeah. So this Rabbi Yosef's Chuva was about a guy who was about to be thrown to jail in a disrobe because he wasn't paying his daughter's uh, expenses. And he said, I'd love to, it's just not my daughter. And he said, Not your daughter. So they're called He said, I'll do a DNA test. So I went to the basin, and went to another basin, went to the got to Rabbi Yosef, and he said, No, you're not doing a DNA test. We have a claw, and found the claw. So there are many reasons for that, halachic reasons, but it happens to be that this, the idolatry of science, where we assume every time something else comes out that this is the uh, MS Lamita, it just, we, we should be around long enough to know, give it 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and, uh, you know, somebody's going to fuck something up. And that's pretty scary. And they're scared themselves because they might have convicted the wrong guy or made the wrong guy pay a million dollars over 20 years, and, you know, that can get expensive. So, um, Anyway, that's, but that might not have anything to do with this here. It might just be a din and seeing it, and seeing it could be okay. But you have to be careful you know, when we apply it. But if you want to develop the program, we can try to sell it to the contract agencies and see if uh, something to do in your spare time. Okay, so anyway, Lamaisa the Kool-Aid, they're not looking at every fish when they get the fish skins, and they're not necessarily aiming for glot, because since there are at Stodham that the thing is mutter anyway, even from a trade for source, they are a little bit more magal, which is an interesting idea to know. Okay. Now we move on to um, Shraggy just brought off these things and I was actually very surprised 10 seconds before this year. Here's your average American jelly bean um, which was uh, just furnished for your uh, eating pleasure although you probably won't want to eat it as we discuss this for the next two weeks. But um, I don't know, I didn't do a great job here. This is supposed to be shiny. Uh, <laughs> that's the reason we put it on here. I'm not exactly... Impressed, I guess the dull ones would even look worse. Yeah, somebody could bring some Mike and Ikes, by the way. Yeah, the cherries. Oh, yeah, those have it also. If somebody, by the way, could bring some Mike and Ikes, I'd like to see the. Uh, okay, well, first of all, let me just before they all spill out over here. I don't want to mix and match. But um, yeah, so in here, and this is a very um, healthy um, health food. So we got Kanuba wax. Kanuba wax is kosher. I'm not going to speak about it much because it's wax. And it is kosher. We'll touch on it a little bit as we start discussing the bees and the various things they produce, uh, but it's kosher. Okay, so you have here, uh, oh, carnauba wax and beeswax. We're really on a roll. Mm-hmm. Sounds like somebody made this up just for this year. So beeswax is also wax. It's kosher, even though it's from a bee, but it's wax. It's not food. Then they have a red 40, which is actually, I'm not commenting on the health or lack thereof. Red 40 is actually better than natural red 4. Once we're on the top, I was going to go through this anyway, but I didn't know he's bringing it tonight. A natural red, if you see it, this is red 40. That's very unnatural and probably not too healthy, but don't eat 10,000 of them. And if you're a rat, certainly don't eat 10,000 of them. Uh, whether or not for humans it's unhealthy, I can't comment. Um, natural red 40 is actually a lot healthier for your body, but not for your neshama. Um, carmine, which is natural red 4. Uh, they much safer the company's calling it natural red four because when they call it carmine, PETA burns down their plants. 
uh, we're very aggressive, Peter, about this. The Peter's more machmer uh, than we are on the, when we get to the shellac, which is uh, the main sugya of Ramosha, is actually going to be makel for four different reasons. And the vegans are not makel. They hold it's chazatreif. It's a constant malak bug, and you're destroying all those nice bugs. So um, that's not the issue over here. We um, would be happy to be makadish the bugs and use them for delicious food. We have no problem with that. Uh, the shaila is this excretion from a bug, and that's what we're going to discuss. That's what makes the sugi so interesting. So carmine, most achrayim amachmer, the kashrus agency amachmer. Carmine is this red, natural red four, and that's crushed beetles, straight crushed beetles, not straight. They dry them out first, and the asamachrayim say it's so dried out. It's again afradamon, and like uh, the dried stomach and the burnt bugs, and it should all be mutter. Lamaisa, not, not a ridiculous story at all, but Lamaisa Wamachmer, they, Kashrus Agency, don't accept carmine, uh, which is this red dye, natural red dye for So if you're looking in your uh, kitchen uh, cabinet when you get home, just make sure it says the very unnatural red 40 or something like that, not the natural red 4. Natural red 4 is carmine. And carmine is not eaten and it's probably not good for your neshama. Alstatintum, which is really, uh, mind you, the beginning part of the sugya, even if they're cooler, do you want to really get involved in this? Uh, depending how good the cool is. The carmine is enough for machlik if the kashrus agencies don't use it. No kashrus agency uses it. It's, it's crushed beetles and it's pretty gross if you think about it, but it looks very nice on candy. So they're, they're doing well because it just says uh, red 40, yellow 6, uh, red 3. Okay, it doesn't say red 4, so we're in good shape. Um, okay, uh, this thing over here, interestingly enough, use, there's, there's a couple ways to shine your candies. Uh, carnuba wax. Well, beeswax is one of them. Interestingly enough, this particular company did not use confectioner's glaze. They use carnival wax. And if you ask me, these look shinier than these ones, so I'm not going to... Uh, Tom Bereach. Um, it's odd that it's the uh, same company. Okay. This one has... Um, let the top go. Has the... Uh, there we go. Yeah, spill it all over the place. Um, getting back to this one. This one has... You have another one there? This one has um, uh, has confectioner's glaze. So confectioner's glaze and carnauba wax. Um, somebody has a shoe shine kit at home. I think it needs a little bit of a working over after this. But the uh, confectioner's glaze is shellac. Shellac comes from the lac bug. Lac bug is a little tiny bug, uh, which is fully visible to the naked eye. And it's a type of scale bug which you find on your oranges, hence the tumult three years ago. I think we had a mini shear, well, Shabbos on it. I never gave a full length shear. Maybe we'll attach it to the end of this series uh, because it actually affects, uh, even if only jelly beans, affects your oranges, which is pretty serious. And there the question is how tiny are they and what's really in your orange juice? Uh, the less pulp, the better. I will give you that heads up. Uh, the, less, the more smooth the orange juice, the less you're going to have uh, scale bugs. But all oranges and citrus fruits have scale bugs. And this is a, in the scale bug family, just uh, probably a drop bigger. Scale bugs are very interesting. It's interesting for us to study them. They have actually a very boring life. Um, scale bug, basically, um, some of them move once in their life, which happens to be important for the sugya of the scale bugs and the oranges, because if, you, if it's a little black dot and you can't tell it's a bug, is it really us or even if you could see it. So one of the ways of being able to tell something's a bug is, it, is if it's moving. Scale bugs move very little. They move once, like an inch or two, 
find the Mokom after their, their break away from their parents and they go build a bias now in Israel. Uh, they move over like two inches on the, on the orange and then they sink a little straw in, which comes with them, interesting, and they spend the rest of their life sucking the orange. I don't know, I would say get a life, but you know, there's a reason all these things are in the Bria, and it's interesting, I don't know, yeah, I didn't look into it, I don't know exactly what they do for the Bria and business and commerce. The lack bugs, I know exactly what they do, and it's a multi-million dollar industry, and always has been for thousands of years, not a new discovery. And what the lack bug does, similar, they sort of move over once, dig their straw in, and never really move much again. And they suck, this is on a tree, not on an orange, and they suck the sap of the branch. So you say, that sounds pretty boring also, but it's not, because one of those critters actually is in here, not the bug, but they spend the whole life, you wouldn't believe, I don't make any of this up. No, I'm just imagine this like a Gilgal or something. <laughs> <laughs> before we get to the Gilgal, we're trying to find out if it's kosher. We're about that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> so, um, so if, you know, it just a- after this next few weeks, at least when your kids ask, Todd, do we eat Mike and Ike's? You're going to tell them it's a long story. <laughs> at least you'll be a little bit knowledgeable knowing what's at stake over here, and it's not a simple studio. Yeah, right, exactly. So, um, so they, they sink the straw in, and they suck sap, and then, I'm going to use the phrase quickly now and go back to explain it, it sort of goes to the body. That's a very big, challenging statement, what I just said, and you'll see why soon. And then it's excreted, or if you want to use the word excreted, that's a nicer word, uh, and out the other direction comes wax. And they do that the whole life. They bring in the sap and they keep making wax. You get about 800,000 of them on a branch. And then afterwards, it, it, as it goes out, it's important for Moshe's dissection of the, of the sugi over here. As it goes out, it hits the air. It's already like a wax. That's a shayla. Is this a food? And it hardens onto the branch. And then in Indonesia, they farm this stuff by the tens of millions, it's a whole, one of the main exports of Indonesia is this uh, shellac. And uh, Indonesia, India, other such countries around there, and they have groves of trees which they just set up and put all the bugs there so they can make this shellac. You would think, Niflisaberi, you would think the shellac, whatever it was doing 800 years ago, is probably out the pasture because they probably figured out a new way to do this. Well, they haven't, interestingly enough. There's canoebal wax, there's beeswax, there's other ways to shine things, but this is still one of the industry favorites, the candy industry. Now, what's a little disconcerting uh, is, I hope all of you eat before you come in general. I assume you do that. So what's disconcerting is the fact that when you... Uh, cut these things up, and you, um, you, they process it. They have, they have thousands of people in the industry working the fields. Picture, like picture a sugar field in South America. And they're going, and they're taking it, and they're scraping it off, and then they put it in a, an alcohol mixture, a 3 to 1, 4 to 1 ratio. And there's a whole processing in the plant, which I'm sure will describe. These, all, all these details are very nagea to how you deal with this up here. And they... Um, they have seasons, and they're three or four, I think, a year, where the whole place does this and then dies, and then they have another crop of the larvae, and then they grow into these lac bugs, and uh, uh, shellac is from the lac bugs. That's also an important thing, which I will... You don't have to remember all this. I'll, I'll, we'll go back one by one, but 
if the name might suggest where it's from, which you might not find surprising, but will have an impact in the sugya, lack either is the bug or the resin that it's exuding, or both. Shadow which came first, the chicken or the egg, or the bug or the resin, but it's called, a, it's called nicknamed a lack bug. It has a fancier uh, Latin name. Uh, what, is, uh, what is odd is that till about, I don't know, 50 years ago or so, the world knew about this for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it was an internationally sold product, one of the earliest products around, and it was used for wood polish and floor polish. That was his whole application. And somebody in the 1950s, 60s realized, hey, this would be great on jelly beans. I don't know who thought of that, but there's somebody sitting at home thinking of all these things. And wouldn't it be great if we can give our Mike and Ike's and jelly beans a shine? And this would be a great shine because they're using it now to shine our floors and our tables. That's what this thing is over here, um, right after they're using both for some odd reason, the Carnauba wax and confectioner's glaze. Confectioner's glaze sounds a lot better, that's in confections, sounds a lot better than bug wax or lac wax or shellac or something like that. So they don't usually, they learn marketing is a big thing in the food industry and they, and especially with PETA burning down their plants and slashing their tires, so they call it by other names. But confectioner's glaze is shellac. That is the introduction, and couldn't be better. I'm still not sure why they're not using it, and they are. We have a third one over here. Yes, you know what? This one's the shiniest of them all, and they have uh, confectioner glaze and canuba wax and white mineral oil, magnesium hydroxide. This is really wonderful. Um, there's some sugar in here also if you like it, but um, I guess you all can dig in now. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll begin the sugya. Uh, what you have now, ironically... I kept mentioning and warning you we're going to get to the bee honey sugya. It's not just that we're in the sugya of Kashris and Tintum that I'm going to get to this. The information we have, interestingly enough, m- much of the information of a possible kula comes from the honey sugya. You wouldn't think all of Kulatari Kula is one, uh, one sugya. Um, we're going to see the one only Gemara on on the honey, and as we develop it, you'll see why this has a lot to do with the jelly beans. So let's begin. The Gemara B'chayr is on page one on your main copy. This is actually part of a larger Gemara that we might need later, but I don't want you to get lost to the trees in the forest, so we're going to just pinpoint the uh, honey issue now. The reason this is a kasha is because everybody agrees Bees are non-kosher insects, as most insects are, except for a couple of grasshoppers here and there. So normally you have a claw of anything that's bomb and a tummy, anything that's a yetzim and a tummy is tummy. So you have milk from a camel, it's, it's tummy. So the Gemara is assuming that bees make honey. So why is the honey mutter? And the Gemara had a Masari it was, and the Gemara wants to know what the makar is. So we're going to have a machlekes, the Tana Kama, and the Tana Rabbi Yaakov. First, the Tanakam. Which means, we have to explain it further, but for right now, it means that the Chazal understood and they knew this, and they knew this because they had a Messiah on it, and they probably also studied bees. Uh, you don't need that, but they were always ahead of their time, and most of the scientific things often were discovered later, but this, you don't have to come on to that. They, the guy might have known that at that time as well, and that is they don't really fully process the honey. They go to the flowers, get the nectar, and then fly back to their base, and they have a little pouch, and then they spit it back out at their next chavrusa, 
who spits it at his chavusa, and they have a whole lineup of like 20 bees who keep spitting it to each other, regurgitating it. And the reason they do that is because the saliva has the correct enzyme to work on the nectar to make it honey. So they have a whole assembly line. A fascinating process if you ever want to get dressed up well enough to watch it. And that's the way they process it. So I mention that now because the Pitayer points out that the Gemara says the honey has nothing to do with them. It's like a courier service, a FedEx that just bring the nectar over here and over there. That's not true exactly. It's not what the Gemara meant because nectar is not honey. They're very different. So who changed it? It was just a courier service. They dropped it in the beehive and it uh, berry changes to honey, but that's not exactly true. It's their own enzymes from their saliva that change it. So, and, and en route, the flight could take a while, it starts changing the nectar to honey. And then it continues in the beehive. So when it says here, the reason it's mutter is it doesn't go through the bee, it means it doesn't go through the whole digestive system of the bee to be excreted and excreted later on, it's just in a pouch, and uh, they add a little bit, with the preterior points out, they add something to the mix, but not enough to make it considered a yetzi min hatami. That's the Shita Tanakama, based on a svara, basically. Comes Rabbi Yaakov, skip to the next bracket. Rabbi Yaakov, he says, no, it's based on a Pesach. And this going to be a big, nafkamina mini, nafkamina between the two. Rabbi Yaakov, Aymer, acha zem, teichlumikol sheretz, oiv zeatayichol, so we have Exeus Akasa. Gemara says the meat is that you can't eat a Sheretz of Tameh. The Pussek says Sheretz of Tameh Behedjiksiv. Ella Sheretz of Tameh Yataechol Taechol Masha of Tameh Mashritz. What it puts forth, that's a very ambiguous uh, phrase to us. We'll have to define it. Eza Zed Dvash Devarim. Be honey. Yachalav Dvash Hagizin Vahatsirin. Gizin, they don't know the exact type, just a type of locust. Flying locust and a tzirin, which is a wasp, probably. So Rabbi Yaakov says, you would think they have honey. There are, there are certain breeds that have it. Not many, but they, it exists. So how do you know which one to include, which one to exclude? Very interesting. We include dvash devarim because it has no other name. Stam honey is bee honey. Shem levai means honey with the last name. Everything else, it's not called honey, it's called wasp honey, or it's called locust honey. What's the chilik has to be explained. Why is that? How does he know it to be a mayat? So Rabbi Yaakov is more restrictive, and he says that only be honey, nothing else, and the Tanakhama say no, anything that follows this scientific process where it doesn't go through the whole body, it just holds it, works on it a little bit, and then spits it out, is okay. The first problem we're going to have is that one of our Marisha's fourth sniff from Hulkel and the shellac is going to be, it's done in the bees. At least according to the Tanakhama. The problem is, I, I checked and rechecked and rechecked. I was trying to find out where our Marisha's going. It's clear. It goes through the entire body and it's executed in the back. It goes through the whole body. So what's the dimming to bees? That's the whole chilig why honey is different than everything else, like different than camel's milk. So what's the chilig? So... Um, Ramesh is assuming, I'll just leave it with this, that seems to be assuming that if you stick a straw into the thing and suck up the sap your whole life and as you're doing that you keep on outputting this wax, then the Gemara, and this very Gemara before, quotes of Sheshis as a possible svara if you have a chamar drinking water, 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 and it urinates, it has may recline. 
is that Meraglayim Mutter? And the Gemara has maybe it is, because it's not a new thing, it's water in, water out. Even though it's not, because the body changes it somewhat, we would say more than somewhat. But the Gemara has a Havmi, that's not enough of a change. The Gemara has a Machlik, is what Rosh holds, but according to the Gemara, ends up saying Rosh holds like Rabbi Yaakov. But Ramesha seems to be assuming that there might be a dimmium between the lack bug and the bee in the way it processes, even though what we see today, one's processing it completely and one is just carrying it and adding some saliva. Is yes. That only if it's intaking as it's excreting at the same time? No, I'm just, that's all it does its whole life. So I don't know. I'd like to, I looked. I just don't have 100 hours to research. They have a lot written there. Yeah, guys did PhDs on lack bugs and shellac. Somebody says somewhere in their 1,000 page thesis, whether or not, I'd like to know if you take in seven gallons of sap, do you produce seven gallons? Is there a correlation? Is there a, that's all they do. There must be a correlation. The question is, how much is the body affecting? But it goes to the whole system. And the aside of the Tantama is, it does not go to the whole system. I'm just raising that now. We'll cause that a Mitzvah Shem on Monday. We hope to have Shir at least Monday, Tuesday, Hanukkah. So if a family wants a Masiba, tell them to push it to Thursday, and we'll see how far we can get. I'm sure that'll go over well. Have a good night.